Today we're doing On Mission Part 2. I want to do a little recap for you guys if you weren't here last week about what we talked about. We talked about alter egos and shadow missions. And basically the concept that if we're not careful of tending to who we really are, we can end up trying to be like somebody else. And when we're like somebody else, we're not really living what we are called to be living, right? That's the very basis of the nutshell of last week. You guys are welcome to jump on our podcast and listen to last week's. It's I think it's a really helpful message. We went through what the PATH book talks about, the 11 myths of a mission statement or a calling. And one of those I want to just remind you of is that your mission in life is larger than any role or job that you're going to have. Hopefully your job or role will fit into your mission really beautifully, but sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay. That our mission is always supposed to be bigger, something that we could never fulfill until the day that we die, even when we die. It's supposed to be that grand. So I hope you're jumping in with us there. This last week, as I was spending time with the Lord on Tuesday morning, I had one of those moments where God said, um, I want you to go to this verse and I want you to write this down. And he gave me the word for this morning and, and I am really fascinated by it. I've been praying into it all week. I've been preaching it to myself and I've been really encouraged about it. So I'm excited to share it with you. And so today we're not going to be talking about the path book, although this fits beautifully into it. But I want you guys to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 4. I am going to have it on the screen, but I want you to have it in your own Bible too if you like to do that. This is going to be coming out of the Amplified Translation. I'll give you a minute to open your app or whatever you need. (coughs) Excuse me. Thumb over to your page. So Jeremiah 1 verse 4. So I was spending time with the Lord and God said, I want you to open up to Jeremiah chapter 1. I want you to start reading. I said, okay, I can do that. And I started reading and it says, and now the word of the Lord came to me saying... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. We're going to stop there. And the Lord said, stop there. I said, okay. And he breathed on it. Anybody know what like a ping is when you're spending time with the Lord? It's like ding, like something comes to life and you just know God is saying something about that. So I stopped right there and I had this ping moment with God. And he said, see what's happening here. There's three things that happen in the life of every believer. So that's interesting because I was unaware as I read that what three things were. And I want to show those to you so we can go to the next slide. And he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So the very first thing that happens in all of our lives is that God had an awareness of us before you were even conceived. This is powerful because there's a lot of people that believe life doesn't start until you take your first breath on earth, right? But we see scripture after scripture in the Old Testament and the New that God spoke purpose into lives, even in this moment, before you were even conceived. It's powerful. So God, and if it happened to Jeremiah, it happened for you. God just may not be telling it to you as dramatically as he was to Jeremiah in that moment. And he wanted Jeremiah to know, listen, I designed you. I knew you. I created you. I picked your body type, your skin color, your hair, your, all these things. I picked that. I, I did it intentionally. And then the second thing happens, he says, and before you were born. So we have before you were conceived and then while you're in the womb, I consecrated you. Consecrating means to make something holy, to set it apart. If God did this for Jeremiah, he did this for all of us. It just looks different, right? And so he says, I knew you, I designed you, and then I set you apart. And then he says, and then I have appointed you. In my opinion, this is a three steps to our calling understanding. We have to come into the awareness that we were completely designed by God. 
that everything about you was intentional. Your height, your weight, your skin color, your eye color, everything, everything you might have been picked on as a child that you thought, man, if only I could not have that. God intentionally picked that for you. I grew up in a sort of difficult, um, my life was great on one hand, first world life, and then on the other hand, there were some really difficult things that happened to me as a child, and <clears throat> some of those things carried into my young adulthood, and I, I had to get a lot of inner healing for. And I was asking the Lord, I've, I've asked the Lord many times over the course of my life, God, why did you make me to have to go through all of that? Like, the, because of where I was, the house I lived in, the people I was given to, all of that, it was like, it just was sort of a setup, right, for difficulty. And um, I've had a lot of amazing moments with God through the years of when he's answered that, but one of the most profound happened when, uh, this was actually last year, and I wasn't even really lamenting that much, I was just kind of thinking about my life and thinking it would have been a lot easier had some of these things been different, right? I don't regret it. I don't wish it any differently. It's just, you know, if you've lived that, you just know. There's some things I could have done without. And God took me into this picture. And in the picture, he was scanning a nursery that was like football fields long with the little, you know, like the incubator things you put a newborn baby in. Not the NICU ones, but the ones they cart you around, you know. There was just rows of babies all swaddled up. And, he, and I saw God the Father walking through the aisles, and he was, like metic- he was searching for something he knew he was looking for, right? So I'm watching this picture, this vision unfold. I'm thinking, this is interesting. And he's searching around, and then he finds this one baby, and his eyes light up, and he's like, that's the one. He was looking specifically for that one. And he picked up this sweet baby, and he gave it to my parents, and it was me. And I thought, whoa. And God was showing me, and if it's in it for me and for you, there was so much intention of why he picked me to be their child, knowing all of these things. And then the Lord said to me, he said, what you're not thinking about is that because I gave you into a difficult situation, I promised a piece of myself that not everybody gets. He said, I would never have left you there without an ability to connect with me, without my presence being in your world. Some of us just aren't aware right? It's happening for everyone. We're just not aware. And so if you've been born into a difficult situation, the beauty of it is that you get to experience something in God that those that were born into very healthy, whole families don't get to experience at that stage. I actually remember being two and three years old, knowing that God was with me. I can't explain that, but I mean, I I just knew. I felt the presence of God with me. And when I go to that vision and I sit with the Lord and I think, wow, Lord, even then, as a small child, where my, my parents loved each other, they loved us, they were just working out life, right? And it's just, just a bummer that just kids don't come with a handbook, you know, and a rule book of how to fix yourself so you can raise them without any trauma. It just doesn't happen that way. And so, but God was with me even in that place. And that's what he's saying to Jeremiah. He says, even while you were in the womb, I set you apart. I want to put it this way, that God actually sets provision apart for you. Before you were even conceived, you were designed by God. And then when you were in the womb and you were being nurtured by your mother's body, he makes provision for everything that he's going to then appoint you to. That's what's happening here with Jeremiah. So that third phase is the appointment time. And essentially God is saying, listen, these two things you had no control over. When I consecrated myself to you, when we made a connection, when you were in the womb, you were only potential. There was nothing you could do to earn or to lose your calling, your salvation. There's, it, there was nothing you could do, right? You're not even here fully on the earth yet. And in that place of when we're only potential, God gave you everything you need. 
This is fascinating to me. I hope it's fascinating to you. So he, he knows us. There's a knowing that happens. Then there's a provision that happens from God. And then there's an appointment where we become aware of what that thing is that we're called to do. Let's keep going in the story. So, um, so he says, I've appointed you to the prophets of the nations. And then I said, this is Jeremiah, he goes, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a young man. And then God says, I love this one. He said, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a young man. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Now, this is interesting. Go back one. He says, he gives two excuses. I don't know how to do that, and I'm not that kind of a person. Right? There's a skill ability, a lack of skill, and there's a lack of identity. There's two different things here. He says, I don't have this talent, and also, like, I'm not that type of a, a person. And what God does is so interesting. He completely disregards the lack of skill, and he goes straight to the identity piece. He's like, it's no consequence to me that you don't have the skill. Actually, Genesis to Revelation is filled with stories of God giving people skills and talents they didn't have. Go through any moment where God called somebody and he gave them the ability to do it, right? So he's not even concerned that Jeremiah doesn't know, quote, how to speak. He's more concerned about what Jeremiah believes about himself. He's essentially saying, Jeremiah, listen, I can deal with the fact that you don't have that skill. I can't deal with the fact that your belief about yourself distances you from me. And I'm going after that thing. Because in that place is where we get off track. We're not going to get off track if you don't know how. Like, let's say you're called to be an accountant, but you're not so great with numbers. I've never heard of that happening before, but let's just say, right? And God will give you the strength to learn how to be good with numbers. Maybe you're called to be um, an entrepreneur or whatever, but you're not very good with time management. God can give you the strength, the ability, and the grace to manage time. I was overseas one time with my mom a few years ago, and we were driving on the other side of the road, which is, you know, I'm not like the best driver. I'm not a bad driver. I've never been in any accidents, but I don't love to drive. That's not my thing. In fact, most of my life, I prayed that God would give me a man to marry that only wanted to drive all the time, and I'm so glad that happened because then I just don't have to worry about it, right? And, and, but I remember being on this trip with my mom, and she said, I'm going to drive, and you're going to navigate. And I thought, what? Like, that's how it felt to me. I don't know how to read a map. I can't do that. This is crazy. And we had GPS, but still, you're on the other side of the road, and the stress level goes way up. And I was like, I don't really think so. And something happened where I learned how to read a map really well. I'm telling you, it was like a gift from God. And I came home, and I told Grant, I can read maps now. And he laughed out loud. He's like, hmm. That's, that's nice, sweetie, right? Like, I don't ever want to test that, but cool for you. And, uh, and I was like, no, I'm telling you, something happened in my mind. And it's true, that's what happened. I don't know why, I don't know if it was a God thing, but that's what happened. We can learn skills we don't have. That's kind of not a big deal. The bigger deal is retraining our mind. So I want to give you guys an example. <clears throat> you know, we talk a lot about putting God in a box and how important it is to not put God in a box. But I think sometimes the bigger issue is when we put ourselves in a box, right? Put my box on. Here we go. Here's my box. <clears throat> so I'm Jeremiah. God says to me, I'm appointing you to be a prophet to the nations. And I say to the Lord, whoa, God. I don't know how to speak. And also, I'm just not that kind of person. That's just not who I am. Right? And so God starts going, wait a second, I can't do anything with that. Now, I can live a great life in this box. 
I have a great outfit on. I don't need to change clothes, right? I can get water through here. I can get ventilated. I can eat food, all of that. But I'm not going to have any kind of closeness, right? Come here, Sarah. Me and Sarah want to become better friends. We want to spend more time together. And so I'm like, let's go to lunch, you know, and I'm trying to sit next to her. And eventually she's like, this is not working. This hurts me. Your box is hurting me. And I'm like, but come on, you know, we can be really good friends. And there's always something coming between us. Right? Now, I know this is sort of a silly analogy, but I want you guys to understand that we can't even put ourselves in a box. That's what's happening here. Bust out of here for you. That God is saying to Jeremiah, listen, it's not okay for you to believe these things about yourself. Because I, that's where I'm limited, is what you believe. Not in what you can do. This is powerful, because if we are honest with ourselves, there's things that we believe that God thinks about us that are not actually what God thinks about us. Bill Johnson says it this way, I can't afford to have a thought in my mind that's not in God's. Right? I can't afford to have a thought about myself that God doesn't have about me. Ugh, it's powerful. So God draws a boundary, okay? Jeremiah makes these excuses, and God says to him, do not say, I'm only a young man. In other words, I am telling you, you are forbidden to think this way. He draws a boundary line around that. There are good boundaries and there's bad boundaries, right? If we look at Psalm 16, one of my favorite verses, Psalm 16, 6, that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. He goes on to say, the Lord is my portion. That when God draws a boundary around our life, he tells us you cannot do this thing. It's for our good. It's a really good things are going to happen out of that. And he's telling that, he's doing that here with Jeremiah. He's saying, I'm drawing a boundary. You don't get to say this ever because it's distancing you from me and it's causing me to not get to do with you what's in my heart and ultimately actually what's in your heart because I designed you for this appointment. You just don't see it like that, right? When I was a newlywed, I had just gotten married and um, I, it was 2004 and Matthew McConaughey romantic comedies were all the rage. Anybody remember that time frame? And all, I wasn't a big romantic comedy person, but all my friends were. Going back to the five, five friends you spend the most time with are influencing you more than you think that we talked about last week. They, and so that's all they talked about. Those are the movies they wanted to see. So those are the movies I started watching. And about six months into my marriage, I've shared some of this before with you guys, I started looking at my husband and thinking, you know, you're a great guy, but you're not Matthew McConaughey. I mean, like, he comes home and he knows exactly what to say. He has the flowers. He's, you know, the bumbling fool of whatever with all this, you know, yada, yada, romance stuff. And, and I'm like, you know, I mean, you're really cool, but, I mean, why can't you do that too? And Grant kind of laughed it off. He's like, eh, whatever. But what started happening was this little seed of bitterness started rising up in my heart that I wasn't very aware of until it became more of a problem. Anybody know that? I should have caught that bitterness like the first thought, you know. But now that I didn't, it's a good size, it's a good size weed. It needs to be yanked out. And so I was talking to the Lord one day. In fact, I was actually lamenting to God about how frustrating it was that I had to marry Grant, who's not really like that. And I was saying to the Lord, you know, why can't he be more like this? And you know when you go to God and you're like, can you fix that person? And he's like, oh, you know what I can do? I can fix you. And you're like, whoa, Lord, no, we're talking about them. We're not talking about me, you know. It's just not how God is. So heads up, if you're ever going to the Lord about fixing somebody else, just be ready because he will do it in you. He won't do it in them. And then inadvertently it will get better because you're in a better place. So God drew a boundary line around me. And he said, you know what, Rachel, you are not allowed to watch any type of romance movie. And I mean, I'm, I'm not even talking about un, like, like not bad ones, like just the good, you know, simple, cheesy ones. And the Lord said, that's not for you. 
And he said, because it's not healthy for you. And then he said to me, because you're denying the gift that I gave you. I gave you a man who is faithful, who is righteous, who's pure, who's loyal, who's home all the time, who's supportive. You know, he does, he does everything that a godly man should be. He just isn't that character in a movie. And God actually went on to say, those movies are a snapshot of all the best years of a 20, 50-year marriage in a two-hour time frame right? It's never meant to be all those moments happen in your everyday life. I was 21. I didn't know. (laughs) And so God drew a boundary line around me, said no to these movies. I said, yes, sir, Lord. I wasn't even sure what was going to happen. Flash forward about a year, and I started noticing that my heart, I started taking notice that my heart had completely changed. And I found myself honoring and respecting my husband so much more than I had before for such a simple fix. And it was like now that I'd gotten that image of Hollywood romance out of my mind, like what, it, you know, what a good relationship is supposed to look like, now that I'd gotten that out of my mind, I began to just cherish what I had been given from God as the most amazing gift to me that was exactly what I needed. It just wasn't what would be a box office seller, right? Although most great lives might not be. <laughs> steadfast, faithful, honor, those things don't typically sell a lot of tickets um, in the box office. But a few years went by, and a a movie came out that all my friends were raging about, and it was the Keira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice, okay? And they were all like, you've got to see it. You would love it. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. I hadn't really told anybody God had set this boundary because we don't need to just, you know, share that to everybody. And I'm like, that's nice. And thinking to myself, I'm not going to watch it because I have this boundary line. It's been maybe four or five years that I just had not watched any movies like that. And this one was one that was like after about the fifth person to come to me and say, Rachel, this movie was made for you. You need to watch it. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't even know. And I felt like God said, you should watch it. I thought, wait a second. Lord, you're you're defying your own boundary. That can't be true. And Grant said, I really feel like you're supposed to watch this movie. I'm like, okay. So we watched the movie, and turns out they're fighting the whole time. So it's not a very normal romance. You know, if you've ever seen that movie, it's like there's really, it's a totally different style than the other style before. But what happened was God redrew the boundary around me. And that began another five-year journey of me where he started teaching me how to gauge what was happening by what I watched in my life and how to discern for myself, and how to lead myself, and how to take his principles and take them into an even deeper level where it's not like I have to blindly follow everything, but together we're learning together, right? And it opened up a dialogue. It was interesting. And I share that story for the sole purpose to say that there are seasons that God redraws the boundary lines. They've fallen for me in pleasant places, and they also move and change, right? And that's a good thing. And so what God is saying to Jeremiah, don't say this about yourself. It's not like you can never think something negative again in your life. It's just that for where you are right now, this is what you need. And you need to trust me in this. The interesting thing is when we talk about boundaries, if you don't yield to the boundary God is putting in your life, it's not going away. Right? We can, tr- we can believe we've grown out of it, but unless we've tended to what God has called us to do with that thing, we haven't really grown out of it. Until he initiates the shift. All right, that's my intentional rabbit trail for you. So that's what's happening here in this story that God is saying to Jeremiah, do not say, I'm only a young man. In other words, don't allow that to distance us. And then he goes on to say, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. This is interesting. God is telling Jeremiah, you're going to get to use my words as your own. 
This is interesting, right? When we talk about God being a partnering God, being a good dad, that he wants to not just, we're not pawns on a chessboard to him. We're in relationship with him. And we see this so beautifully here where he's saying, Jeremiah, I know you're worried about how you don't know what to say, but here's what's cool. I'm going to tell you what to say, and my words get to become your words. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. All right, next verse, he says, and God's continuing to say, do not be afraid of them, for I am always excuse me, I am with you always to protect you and to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and he said, the Lord said to me, behold, hear me, I have put my words in your mouth. We're going to stop there for a second. So God is saying something really amazing here in this whole passage. He's saying, I'm with you always to protect you and to deliver you. In other words, before you go and when you go, there is no realm that you can escape my presence with you. Even more so now after the cross. So God is saying to Jeremiah, before you go, I'm protecting you. I'm, I'm paving the way of protection for you. And when you go, if for some reason something happens, I will deliver you out of that. There is, there's no loophole in this covenant with God. I think this is so beautiful because when we're talking about learning what our mission is from God, sometimes it can be really scary. Sometimes it can be nerve-wracking, like, what's going to happen if I step out and try to do this thing? What if I fail? What if people, what if, you know, you could go down the list. We all have different things that we're nervous about. What if I step out in that, and I have no money left, and I am ruined, and, you know, what if? And God goes, I've already promised you. It's his provision that we talked about at the beginning. I've already promised you, before you go, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect your heart, your mind, your spirit from anything that the enemy or people might try to bring at you. And also, if for some reason something slips through the cracks, I'm going to deliver you. Sometimes we stop short because we didn't see the protection happen, and so then we quit. <clears throat> we put ourselves back in the box, you know, and we stay there. And we don't put God on the hook for the deliverance piece. But the fact of the matter is, in life, it's not always going to go exactly like it's planned. There's going to be things that slip through the cracks. There's going to be things the enemy does that get through. I'm not going to try to explain that right now. It just is true. And if you've lived any length of time following Jesus passionately, you know that's true, right? Offenses happen. Rejection happens. Hurts happen. Old wounds get brought back up. And so if we don't trust that God not only protects us but also delivers us, then we miss out on the fullness of what our calling is supposed to look like. Because as you go on mission, as you stand up to be that person that you're called to be, you're going to incur something and you've got to trust God in that moment to deliver you from it. It's like when you're skipping rocks on a, on a pond, and the pond is so smooth, it's like a glass, you know, it's so beautiful, and you have this rock, but the rock actually belongs in the pond, it doesn't belong in your hand, but to get it into the pond causes a ripple effect, you know, it causes things to happen. At different points in my life, when I've decided this is who God's called me to be and stepped up into that, I've incurred a lot of frustration, let's just put it that way, it's mild, <laughs> I've incurred some very hurtful things that have been said to me by well-meaning people and not well-meaning people. I've incurred a lot of challenges, but if I stop there and said, you know, they must be right, then I miss out. It's not them. It's not even about them. It's about me trusting that God wants to protect me but also deliver me. And like we talked about in worship, you know, that prophetic word that God gave, that then he turns those things into joy. In the kingdom, it's baffling, isn't it? There's nothing wasted. Ugh. <clears throat> all right so God says I'm going to protect you and I'm going to deliver you and then the Lord stretched out his hand and he touched my mouth 
There's a lot of interpretations about this scripture, but what I love and what I feel like God was breathing on for us today is that there's always a confirmation. There's a physical reality confirmation that happens when God calls us to something. Right? This is a dramatic calling. Okay, let's be real. Most of our callings are probably not going to be this dramatic. So that's okay. But, but he experiences a tangible, he felt the Lord touch his mouth, right? A tangible something that was the confirmation to the word that he'd been having. And I just want to just encourage you guys, as you're going on this journey of discovering your mission on a deeper level, ask the Lord for something like that to happen. Ask the Lord for a sign or a confirmation or something that is so real that you know that you know that you heard the Lord. Because in the days where it's difficult and you don't want to be on mission and you want to just be lazy and whatnot, that, you need that to go back to. You need those moments where you can go, but I can't deny that that happened. I want to deny that you said these things, Lord. I want to say it was the, you know, in Jeremiah's case, I ate a little bit too many chickpeas before I had that vision, you know, and so maybe, maybe that's what it was. But he's like, no, he can't, he can't do that because he had a physical response. He had a physical experience with God. And then the last thing God says to Jeremiah, he says, See, I've appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to uproot and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So these are the three lines, the three um, boundaries of his calling. So any situation that Jeremiah comes into, he knows, does it fit in uprooting bad things and breaking down bad things? Does it fit in destroying and overthrowing the works of the enemy? Does it fit in building and planting what God wants to do? No? Okay, then I don't need to do that. It's like a sifter or a gold mining pan, right? It helps you get rid of the stuff that's not there. We talked about this last week, but I want to reiterate it again. Jesus had a mission. He declared it. I've come that you have life and life to the full. So when the woman is caught in adultery and is before him and he has a chance to condemn her as the other rabbis were telling him to do, but he chooses not to because it's not in line with his mission. He didn't come to condemn everybody. He came to show what abundant life looked like. That understanding of his mission helped him. The clarification of his call helped him to know how to respond there. And I love that God was so detailed like this with Jeremiah because he wants to be that detailed with you. So the challenge is not, you know, we talked about the myth last week that some of us might believe that, that we're not special enough to have a calling from God or a mission from God. But the thing that I've been thinking about all week is that it's already there. It was already decided before you were even conceived, so why not seek it out? What do you have to lose? Right? What do you have to lose to take a little bit of time, an hour maybe of a week, or maybe 10 minutes of a week, read a few pages of the book, read this section of the Bible, and just ask the Lord, you know, what is my mission? I, I was doing the section of the book um, this last week that talks, that helps you actually write the mission statement, and it goes through all these different verbs and asks you to highlight the ones that speak to you, that like catch your attention. That's the kind of exercises that are in it. They're not hard. They're not complex. And when I finished that exercise, I looked down and I was like, you know what? This is me. This is really me. And that was the easiest I've ever done anything. <laughs> it's just a matter of going, well, that's like me. That's like me. And putting, and then she goes, and now put these three things together. And then you look at it and you're like, well, how about that? I can do that. I'm already doing that. Right? To be on mission is such a beautiful thing. So I want to land. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the last thing about this that's really interesting to me. And, and it's going back to at the beginning when Jeremiah is giving his excuses and the Lord is saying, no excuses are going to stand here. I've already provided everything you need. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to convince me you're right. 
right? I love in Job, I wasn't going to share this, but you know in Job, Job's lamenting to God, why this and why that? Oh, Lord, you know, he's just going on and on and on. And God goes, all right, stand up. Were you there when I spoke the world into being? Were you there? You know, and he goes through, and it's like two chapters long. And it's just, it was like God was holding all this in for a really long time. He's trying to be really patient to Job. And I get it, it's hard, Job. And then eventually he's like, nope, get up, son. You don't even know what it's like to be me. I can do all of these things. And then at the end, it's like kind of like, okay, so what do you have to say about it, Job? And I'd always picture Job like, hmm. <laughs> yes, sir, Lord, you're right, right? And, it's, and, and <laughs> I just love that Jeremiah is trying to pull a Job in that moment. He's trying to, or a Moses, or a Gideon, or you name it, so many people in the Bible. It's like Mary and Paul and a very few handful others actually heard the Lord and said, all right, I can do this. So if you've ever felt that way, you're in good company. But if you've ever felt the other way where you're like, whoa, Lord, wrong guy, wrong girl, this was way off, you're also in good company. But either way, God is not limited by what you think what you can do. The only place is limited by how much you're willing to believe him. I know for myself when I've chosen to believe that I'm not that kind of a person, and I've done that at different seasons of my life, it's like I distance myself a little bit from God in ways that I didn't even realize. Because to, to be fully in love with who you are allows you to experience something of God. Because going back to before you even conceived, he intended you. And if we miss that, then we're trying to do all the time. We're trying to do our mission and do what makes sense to us and do what we're called to. But we miss the fact that first and foremost, we were supposed to just be with him. That's what God is getting at here with Jeremiah. He's telling him, listen, you need to learn to be with me and who you are. And then all this do stuff is going to take care of itself. I've shared with you guys a little bit about when I had my burnout several years ago. And um, one of the counseling sessions that I had in that season <clears throat> went a little bit like this. I uh, was sitting with this counselor and I was sitting here and he came and sat on the couch next to me and Grant was in the, a chair across the room. And he said to me, and it was such a God-breathed moment and I hated every minute. Do you ever feel that way? Where you're like, stop poking on this. I know you're right and it feels so bad. And he, he said, Rachel, when was the last time that you were just with God? No agenda. You weren't trying to pray for something. You weren't trying to worship. You weren't trying to listen. You weren't reading your Bible to try to learn nothing. You were just there, you and God. And my mind started racing a million miles an hour. I'm, trying, I'm going back through all these amazing moments I'd had with the Lord. And every single one of them, there was some sort of something happening. It wasn't just being, you know. And then I started panicking because I'm like, I don't have the right answer because I knew the right answer was there should be something. And I'm like, you know, you know, when you need some more healing and you're just it's really uncomfortable. And I can see Grant in the corner of my eye chuckling at this whole thing because he knew the answer before I did. And the counselor did too because God had given him a word of knowledge about what was going on. And my mind is just running a million miles per hour. And I'm thinking, was it then? Was it then? And, I'm, and then I'm panicking, realizing I never have done that. I have been actively walking with the Lord for over a decade, and I cannot think of one time that I just sat in the presence of God with no, nothing on my mind except just to be together. If you're married, you know there's just times where you just are together. I remember being with my high school boyfriend behind my parents' car in the Steak and Shake drive through in Missouri, and we were chatting, and I could see my parents weren't talking, and I said to him, I wouldn't, when I get old and I'm married, I don't ever want to do that. I want to always have something to talk about. You know, we were in our 15-year-old way going, oh, yeah, you know, we'll never be like that. And I guess somehow my, I told my mom about it when we got home, and she goes, oh, sweetie, when you've been married for 30 years, eventually you just have to kind of just sit there and not say anything. 
And some of you guys know, I don't fully know that yet. I still have a lot to say. But I, but I was like, what? <laughs> but she goes, you know, you've talked about most of it. And, of course, there's lots to talk about still. She goes, but there's sometimes it's really just okay. You just kind of sit there in silence, and it's not weird. And in my mind, I'm going, that is so weird. And that's how I had attributed my relationship with God. It's like, if we're here together, we got to be doing something, Lord. we got to be talking about something. Somebody needs prayer. People are going to hell. Lord, we don't have time to just sit here and be. Like, this isn't working. And I'm having all this, you know, crashing in on me in this counseling session. And I, with all the guts I had, I looked at the counselor and I said, I couldn't even say the words. I've never done that, right? And, and I, I said, I don't, I don't. You know, stammering it out, I don't think I ever have. And he goes, mm-hmm. And he put his arm around me, and he smushed his face up to mine. And I could see out of the corner of my eye, Grant was, like, trying to hold it in because he, he knew how uncomfortable I was in this moment. And he said, let's just take a second just to be with God. And I'm like, <laughs> like, now? Like, right now? Should we schedule that in for later? You know, we've got things to do, like, here in this counseling time. you got to fix me. Like, I'm not just, you know, here to hang out. And, and he, goes, he goes, just take a deep breath. And I'm like, and he's like, no, you, you put your breathing in sync with mine. Now, listen, some of you guys know exactly how I felt because you're feeling it right now. And I'm like, what? And he goes, just, just put your breathing with mine. Just breathe take a deep breath and so I, we're, our faces are smushed together okay and I'm like like you know it probably looked like a crazy person and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking this is nuts but for a split second I experienced something and it messed me up this wasn't like some sort of like you know circle of new age enchanted meditation it wasn't like that it was the holy spirit caught my heart in a way that i and i had had profound experiences with god up to that point but this was different this was interesting and i was ready to be done about the second that it happened i was like that's enough thank you don't know what happened i maybe like that matrix you know you get plugged in and you're like mm, <clears throat> that was weird and he's, he, he told me so i really want you to practice this he said because if you don't understand how to be with god you really have nothing in your life that's real all this fruit that I have, like, what? It can't be better just by learning to be. But here's the thing, and I want to spend some time on this because I really felt like God was breathing on this, is that when we learn to just be, what we're doing is we're saying, I accept myself as who I am. I accept that I can be at peace with who you are and who I am and our relationship together. I accept that I'm okay in your eyes, that I'm not lacking something, that you approve of me without having to toil and work for your affection, to strive, to, you know what I'm saying? And God says, when you are in that place where you're being, then the doing begins to flow naturally. It's a one-way stream. It actually is. There's no two ways about it. We can't do ourselves into being. It just doesn't work. Eventually, you'll self-sabotage. Eventually, you'll burn out. I did that. <laughs> and I'm not the only one. I'm not telling you just because it's me. It's, you know, absolute truth. It is true. It's a one-way stream. The way that we do and we do effectively is by being in the presence of God, by without agenda, without striving, without just being. Now, sometimes God will lead us in that place of being into doing something, but it always comes this way. It never comes that way, right? Because as we're doing, 
we're trying to be successful, we're trying to have an impact, whatever word you want to say, whatever is the end of your mission, the people that you feel called, your family, it doesn't have to be some big people group, it could be as simple as, as a mother or father to your kids or to your grown parents or whatever. But as we're doing, if we're not being, then we're not being who we really are. So if we're not being who we really are, then whatever we do is only half-hearted. Jesus says it like this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If I don't fully love myself, I will not fully love my neighbor. I can't. I don't have the capacity for it because I can only give away what I've received, right? So if I've received how to be fully okay with me, as God intended before conception, as he consecrated and set you apart while you were in the womb, as he appointed you to all the different things he did, when you accept that and you just go, the doing part is number one, it's natural. Number two, it's easy. And number three, it's effective. So let me say it again. Until you learn to be to be who you really are, you will never do what you're called to do successfully. But the being journey is so amazing. So it's not something that we have to look at and go, oh, I don't want to have to be. <laughs> right? So this is where we're going to end. <clears throat> it does take a while. It takes practice. I would say that it took me at least a year to begin to really enjoy that place. And then it was about five years later that I was like, I really would rather just be and never do. <laughs> Right, Like that's actually so much more enjoyable to just be in your presence and to not have to worry about anything else. I mean, we don't have to worry about it anyway, but you know what I mean? It's not on your mind. It's just, Lord, I'm just soaking it in. I'm just embracing who you are. So I want to say to you, I want you to check yourself this week. What, what boundary lines have been drawn around you in pleasant places? For me in that season, the boundary line was drawn. You don't get to do, you just get to be. And then God has rearranged that boundary and said, now you get to learn to be do, right? As the minions would say. You get to learn to be and then do, and it's going to be effortless. And that is the most, that's where you begin to fulfill that mission. And I want to say to you as a promise, as a, an inspiration, as an exhortation, whatever big word I can think of for you, that whatever mission God has given you to do is supposed to be an easy yoke with him. It can be a big mission. It can require hard work, but the yoke that God gives is easy. Why? Because when we're being in his presence, the pressure lifts, the burden lifts. So we're not, we're no longer doing it out of our own strength. We're, we're just doing it out of that place of communion and, and, and connection with him. So where we're going to end is we're going to take a second to be. I'm not going to smush my face against yours, so don't worry. And I'm not going to ask you to sink your breath with mine because, uh, you know, that was weird. But um, <laughs> if you need that, I could, I could try for your sake. But um, what I want to do and what I felt like the Lord was really putting on my heart as I prepared for this morning was we're going to take two minutes, okay? And I'm going to forbid you from praying, worshiping, listening, doing anything except just being. If you haven't done this before, it will be weird and that's okay. All right, but we're going to draw a boundary around this time. If God wants to say something, he has permission to say something, right? If he wants to give you a picture or whatever, that's on him. But he, he told me, he said to say that because that might happen to some of you. But if it doesn't happen to you, that's okay because that's not the goal of right now. The goal of right now is just to be, to be, and also to be okay with who you are. To accept who you are, who God intended you to be, who you are today. 
you're not too much and you're not not enough. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. And God is with you and he is in you and he is perfecting your faith in the most beautiful way. So are you guys ready? All right, I'm going to turn on a song because I know that we might need a little help to be in this moment. Um, and, And everybody got, you got what you're supposed to do. So you can close your eyes if you want to. You don't have to. We're going to take two minutes, and then um, I'll close us out. Okay. How'd you do? So many of you are like, don't interrupt me. I'm being with God. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. I just want to make a note of something before I pray to end us, and you are welcome to sit and be for a few more minutes if you want to. And I, this is not calling anybody out because I had my eyes closed, okay? I want you, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to pay attention to what your body language was doing in that moment. Was it hard? Did you want to fidget, right? Did you want to tap your heel? Did you feel tense? All of those are signs that we need to focus in on being, on continuing to accept ourselves and just being at peace, right? And I, I feel that too. I have moments where I'm like, Ugh. And, and usually the tension that I feel is because I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something different than just being in his presence. So if that, and that's not a, that's not a bad thing. If you felt that, this is a new thing for a lot of you guys, it's no big deal. But if you did feel some sort of tense or anxious energy or whatever, just use it as a little indicator and as a a question, a diving board to asking the Lord, okay, God, is there something in me, a a thinking that I need to correct? Because I want to be in your presence and I want to be comfortable in that place as well. So I'm going to pray, um, and then we'll, I'll leave the music on. Um, if you want to take a second to just continue to be, that's totally fine. If you see someone with their eyes closed, they're being with God. So let's, you know, be sensitive to that. But God, we just, I just thank you so much, Lord. You are better than we could have ever imagined. And you just consistently reveal yourself as better than we could have ever hoped. You exceed all of our expectations. Lord, we thank you that as we gather together here in this church house, that you are faithful to meet us week in and week out. And I bless every person in this room this morning that as they discover their higher purpose, that thing that you intended them and appointed them to, Lord, that it would be such a delightful journey. And as they learn this week to be with you. Lord, I pray for revelation to flow from heaven. I pray for uh, just peace, like river, like a huge rushing river of peace to just wash over each and every one of them. And I pray for breakthrough as well, Lord, that this season um, would be a season that they just begin to adore in every way, no matter what difficulty comes their way, that they can be in your presence and they can be at peace. So Lord, I bless them in this journey in Jesus' name. I want you guys to practice. If you're up for it and if you're jumping in this journey of being on mission with us, give it, maybe set a reminder on your phone. All right, before I go into work, I'm gonna take two minutes and I'm just gonna be, before I do the grocery shopping or whatever, and just practice it because that's the way that we learn to carve out. I wanna say one more thing I forgot to say and it's that you know as you carve out this place with you and the Lord, and, and it, it, it's like um, in the Old Testament when God tells us to put memorial stones to remember what this was, to remember what this felt like, that's what happens when you practice going into that place of just being in his presence without any agenda, then you it gets easier to recognize, right? So that when life is chaotic, you can stop and go, I just need to go be. I need to not do, I need to not even pray. I need to not even go, God, what are you doing? You know, but just, just rest and just be in his presence. So does that make sense? All right, be blessed. Thanks for being here. And... Uh, 
I'm excited to hear how you are being 